your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Thank you so much for listening to all of these amazing and exceptional positive imprints. I'm Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. ChrisKnoll.com. C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. You can listen to the show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, or of course listen from any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or simply your favorite podcast platform. Enjoy the show and get inspired to activate your own positive imprint. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? How many times have you replaced your smartphone? (laughs) You know, those are things, those are questions that when I started this podcast, I wasn't really asking myself. And then when I started this podcast and learning so much about planned obsolescence and the right to repair, and I mean, there is so much to educate ourselves on and to do research on and to learn more about what is at stake for our environment and for mankind as we move forward, right? So when we have our cell phones or smartphones, it's hard to know how long it's actually going to last, or even if we can fix it when it goes bad. And that goes for even our Wi-Fi systems, the routers. So my uncle, who lives over in Wisconsin, hello, Uncle Jim. Anyway, he has an old smartphone and he has no desire to replace it. Why should he spend money? His works perfectly fine for what he uses it for. Well, recently, as we know, the uh, 3Gs and 4Gs and 5Gs are changing all around the world and his router, his Wi-Fi, no longer works with his equipment. And they told him when he called to get help, they told him, you need to buy a new smartphone so that it will uh, be compatible with the router. Well, he wasn't going to do that. And then his desktop started failing to connect to Wi-Fi. And they told him, you need to get a new desktop. Your desktop is too old. So my uncle did get his old router back. And he's just not going to have the great coverage that other people have because they have upgraded. And my uncle there and my aunt, there is no need for them to upgrade because what they have works for what they do. But we are living in an era of planned obsolescence. But guess what? My guest today, Jean-Paul Vanthea, is going to share how that is changing because France started a repairability index. And it's based on a range of criteria including how easy it is to take the product apart and how available spare parts are, technical documents, the uh, CO2 non-emissions. I mean, it goes on and on and on. It's great. So there's a lot to learn about right to repair, 
planned obsolescence and the right to repair movement, I think, is starting to move things in the right direction so that consumers can make decisions on the products that we buy. And now back to the introduction of my guest, Jean-Paul Vontaire shares his government role in France's Repairability Index and the right to repair mandates in France. Jean-Paul was responsible for the labeling of eco-products and their life cycle assessments, and he'll explain more on that. Today, France does lead the way in the promotion of repairability, which in turn contributes to the reduction of CO2 emissions. So important. Jean-Paul will explain all of that and the right to repair legislation in France and his role in moving eco-design forward. Jean-Paul, thank you so much for being here on the show. <laughs> Welcome. Right. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. So I want to start out with, with just first, France. What is it like in France and where are you in France? Well, I live near Paris. Uh, it's not the suburb, it's uh, 20 kilometers away from Paris. I live in a residence with uh, much, many trees. <clears throat> and it's not only a pleasure, it's, all, it's also much uh, nuisance with sound. The gardeners are very busy all year round. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, and you too are busy all year round and you have been busy for 40 years almost and you are retired now, but for your entire working life, you have been putting forth your positive imprints for the future of the planet. And I would love for you to explain to listeners the makeup of your ministry there in France, first of all. Well, in France, we have a, a big ministry for the environment, covering many aspects, energy, uh, materials, uh, construction, whatever. And myself, I was specialized on circular economy. And for the longest part of my career, about eco-design of products. In fact, uh, I was officially in charge of not eco-design, eco-products. Can you believe the concept was not yet invented. Before <laughs> speaking of eco-design, we spoke about eco-products. I, I was in charge since uh, the year 1989. Wow. <laughs> and so we're looking at the eco-products. And in, in what aspect? Are you talking about in development or legislation? What was it that was your part back then? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Uh, the thing is, it was voluntary. And uh, let's say, even if my colleagues will not appreciate what I say, uh, we have been preaching like in the desert for uh, 30 years. Uh, it was voluntary, so I was in charge of uh, official eco-labeling and uh, methodology sophisticated methodology like the life cycle assessments. But it's only lately that eco-design became mandatory through a very special aspect, which is repairability. Repairability being mandatory. Do you have legislation now in France? Because France, you're one of the leading countries, if I'm not mistaken, in 
repairability or right to repair of products? I hope so. I would agree with that, of course. Yes, we are, we are considered as a front runners, considering the, the legislation aspects. And um, during the three last years of my career, I've been working on the repairability index. That is from uh, summer uh, 2018 uh, and three years later. Um, it's, in, it's in force. The legislation is in place uh, since more than one year. The producer uh, selling products in France, I mean, wherever they produce it for in the world, they have to calculate this uh, mandatory repairability index. And the retailers, they have to inform the consumer before they buy some anything. You see, so this is a transparency obligation. Tell us how easy or how difficult it is to dismantle the, the product, to find spare pieces, spare parts to replace in case it's, uh, it's not working. And the, the consumer is supposed to make the choice towards easily repairable products. Wow, so you've already had that legislation. How do consumers feel about it out there? Have they been supporting this for a, a long time and asking for it? Well, it's difficult, honestly, it's difficult to, to give a description of the state of mind. The thing is that they are very interested. They are following this. There have been polls, you say polls, inquiries, showing more than 75%, I think it's 83%, say that they say that they would uh, forget about their favorite trademark in order to choose a more easily repairable product. Okay. So it's in place since one year and uh, uh, let's say they, they, they receive it with great interest. Yes, and the corporate level, the producers of these products, are they happy to oblige? Yes, there is a big variety of uh, attitudes among producers. Some are surprised, completely surprised, and after a time of uh, digestion, they say, okay, we will make this uh, an opportunity. We, we want to be the best in the world in this new direction of repairability. But this is a minority. I don't say they are small. <laughs> the, the two, between the two or three world uh, leaders, one is playing like that. Let's be the best. <laughs> So don't, don't underestimate this movement. But the majority, they are disturbed. They are, they, they would like to, to stop the process. And, uh, they come to me sometimes with this double, uh, double plan. We will learn because now as I'm retired, I explain the methodology and I try to help producers to anticipate, etc., to understand and to anticipate this, the, let's say the, the, the widening of this regulation. But sometimes they have a double plan. They listen to me because they want to make obstruction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, you mentioned something when we were chatting earlier about the CO2 non-emissions, which, wow, we're talking some toxins. So what do you mean by the CO2 non-emissions 
And what types of products are you talking about? Okay, good question. <laughs> I hope your I hope your listeners are uh, still awake because these are new, not completely new ideas, but we have new studies proving that to keep an electrical or electronic product as long as you can is the best choice you can do for the future of the planet regarding CO2 emissions. Why? Because to produce these devices, you need so many materials to transform them, etc., that the, the main impact, more than the main impact, 75% of the impacts, they occur while you are producing this device. It's much more important that you use it or even when you it goes to the end of life, whatever, for recycling or what, what else. So, keep it as long as you can. It's better than to buy a new one. So, in fact, the difference between the choices makes it that you avoid new emissions by keeping your, your device. It absolutely makes sense uh, with the CO2 emissions. So do you, in France, when you're talking about even if it's the methodology or you're talking about mandates out there, do you hear from or need to deal with, say, American companies of electronics because it will impact their sales in France? So do you need to work with any of them? Are there groups out there that represent some of the big name companies that are based in United States, like for smartphones especially? Well, the big one is already suffering and is changing his strategy. Apple is changing its strategy. Some people in France, some analysts, they think that partly it's because of the French uh, regulation, but you know, there is this movement and the President of the United States has given an order to go in this direction, so it's, it's complicated. But to design products so that they are easily repairable will be the second step. The first step is, uh, will they be more open to, to provide spare parts to independent repairers? or even consumers themselves to repair the devices. So Apple has changed its strategy. It means it's a trend. France is a leader for the legislation, but it's a trend in the world. I'm guessing that the rest of Europe is going to implement this type of legislation and mandatory more in line with France. I'm a consumer. I bought it. I own it. I want to repair it. But now we're also hearing the CO2 non-emissions, hopefully these companies, as you say, they're changing their strategy. They're hopefully going to change in the upcoming future. Yeah, well, you see, to avoid emissions for the future is a consequence of a good consequence. Of, it's a profitable consequence of uh, repairing and also refurbishing. The legislation in France is original. Uh, it says only describe yourself. It's a transparency obligation and uh, it implies that the consumer will make the right choice, let's say. We, we, we will 
act accordingly uh, when purchasing or not purchasing a new product. So CO2 non-emissions is a consequence. And to come back to the subject matter, there are many criteria to assess the reparability of a product, including the price of spare parts compared to the price of the new product. Anyway, the European Commission will come out this year with a similar legislation that is a mandatory reparability index in, in full transparency and we hope in full honesty. You have to describe yourself and to describe the, the promises in number of years to make spare parts available, etc. Assistance from far away, this, I don't know in English, assistance uh, at distance. So the European Commission will imitate this legislation, but it will be reduced first for um, smartphones and tablets. This is where I say it's a, it's a trend in the world. France is a leader, let's say. The Europe will follow. And I, I don't know how they take the, 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 this issue in the United States, in Canada, in Australia. They are working in, in this direction of let's open the possibilities to repair. But I don't know how they will make it. Right, right. Well, we have I Fix It, uh, which is a movement. And of course, you mentioned the president of the United States has been pushing forward with right to repair and mandates. So I think that things are moving in a direction that is positive for our planet. But and I and I want to mention the orangutans because that hasn't been mentioned. I know that with smartphones and some other electronics, you talk about the CO2 non-emissions and I also look at with making of a new iPhone over and over again, or not just iPhone, I don't want to just parcel out that one, but smartphones in general and electronics, that habitat of orangutan is being destroyed in order to make these. So that for me comes into play. Has there been any discussion in France or in Europe about the loss of wildlife due to the making of these electronics? Yes. Um... Pillage des ressources, I don't know how to translate in English. Um, it's correct. I mean, it's completely true. But the thing is that about biodiversity, there are not so many solid indicators. The methodology is incredibly complicated. So the problem exists, but there are not so many accurate instruments to measure the, the, the problem. So frankly speaking, we have been working and now personally I'm, I'm promoting um, design for reparability. Okay, there will be many benefits, uh, not only for the planet. I am a bit uh, disappointed now for the future of mankind. <laughs> I mean, with, with floods, with uh, fires, and even with simply the temperature, people will die from it when they will be walking outside. I mean, anywhere in the world, uh, in the United States, in uh, 
in the Arabic countries or in Indonesia, or, I mean, the Tang culture will not be, the human being will not tolerate such uh, increase in temperature. So it's the future of mankind, not only the planet. <laughs> <laughs> so the future of mankind would certainly include everything that we do live with, and that is yes. wildlife and habitat. So design for the future of mankind. I think that that is just hearing the word mankind that really puts a a, a visual, I think, and I hope that the producers of these products understand that their pockets today are not going to allow for future generations to survive and to thrive. The CO2 non-emissions, this alone is extremely interesting and important, and people need to be aware of it. How do you see, since, since France has already started this and moving forward, what is the next step for France at this time? Well, the next step is already written in the law. It's a circular economy law from the 10th of February uh, two years ago, 2020. And uh, it's already written that uh, this repairability index will be transformed into a durability index. It means new dimensions will be added Repairability will, will, will still remain, but there will be reliability and robustness and evolutivity. So this index will get richer, if you like. But personally, I like it simple and tangible. I like the repairability aspect. And the question for the businesses is, uh, especially in a dynamic nation like the United States of America. I mean, how long will it take before people will think in terms of uh, frugality? I mean, your podcast is called Positive Imprint. But the question is about less negative. What will be the future of humanity regarding the climate crisis? My guess, and there is a lot of uh, reasoning behind this, analytics, etc., sociology, whatever. My guess is that in 2050, that is 30 years from now, humanity will be in a panic. It will be chaotic, and humanity will be in a panic. So, positive imprint is more about less negative. My goal is, when people listen, is hopefully to get inspired by people like you to engage their positive imprint into activities. Imprints are going to be left forever and ever. Whether they're positive or negative, they'll be there forever. And if we want to negate the negative, then we need to simply really work on the positive. One of my observations is that people, I think people know about the problems. I think, well, for me, I think the world is in a panic state now. Uh, when we look at global warming and climate change, I'm panicked. I don't want to lose the polar bears. 
uh, I don't want to lose the ice any more than what we're losing. My observation is that people don't want to get involved until there's either one legislation from their government that says, you have to do this. And then they're, oh my gosh, we need to do something. And number two, a lot of people won't get involved because they may not know how, or they may think that it's just a trend, it'll go away. But the legislation part is something that I've observed. People weren't wanting to really recycle until suddenly now it's, if you have too much trash, you're going to be charged extra. Okay, so now people go out and they get their recycling bin so that they can lower their trash. I just think that more engagement, and certainly the work that you've been doing is inspiring, and hopefully other people around the world, when they hear this, will say, we need that, let's step up. Okay, I agree perfectly. Yeah. Only legislation will make the job, and uh, the legislation will be passed if there is some kind of some kind of uh, popular uh, acceptance. Yes, and something that you also said that I found very important is just the fact that you are in eco-design and just talking about things and moving it forward so that the design of the product is going to be long-lasting instead of changing things out. So this is really moving in a positive direction for France and Europe, and I think the rest of the world. I just had on a few weeks ago, three people from Australia talking about their legislation, talking about their movement moving forward, and they, two of them sit on the committee there in Australia. Uh, it's not the ministry, but yeah, I know them. They are called Karen and Dan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, awesome people. And they were joined by Leanne Weissman, who understands yeah, I the... I know her. I know her too, yes. Okay, well, so she talked about the uh, legal aspects worldwide. Yeah. And unless there's already legislation, like in France... So obviously in France, it's going to impact the companies a little bit differently because you already have things set in place. And now this year, when is the European Commission going? You said this year? Yes, this year, yes. Well, you're probably watching that very carefully. Well, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm, I can't guess their thinking. It's just logical all the way. Huh? There will be a requirement. You see, there will, there will be this mandatory reparability European index. But there will be more beside it. There will be requirements uh, trying to grasp the, this idea of longevity of products. Not only reparability, but longevity. I prefer to say longevity rather than durability because in French, durable has two meanings, uh, long lifetime or sustainable. So, long-lasting products. So, yes, there will be progress and positive uh, impact in Europe soon. Well, we're certainly going to look forward to that, and the world will be watching and listening and hopefully then practicing what is being done out there with longevity and sustainability of our products to 
continue with lowering CO2 emissions and, as you say, saving mankind for future. I have been accompanying companies to anticipate, to, to, to make a simulation, to, to understand the methodology. And this is also, it, it belongs to the same feeling of urgency. Yes. You've been inspiring, but I always ask for those last inspiring words. Well, uh, we don't live in a virtual world. <laughs> <laughs> so let us expect tangible progress. <laughs> Jean-Paul Vonter, your tangible progress has certainly uh, put in motion some wonderful legislation for France and upcoming European Commission and I thank you so much for your work that you've done for design for eco products and moving forward with saving the planet in many different ways with the right to repair. Thank you so much Jean-Paul for being here on Your Positive yeah. Imprint. Thank you very much also and uh, bravo for your work. Oh, well, thank you so much and likewise. Okay. There's lots of websites out there to learn more information on Jean-Paul's work, but here are some of them to help you out. Repair.eu, nextcity.org, grist.org, and that's G-R-I-S-T, and then theenergymix.com. And don't forget to follow, subscribe, or download this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your P.I.?